0: Back to Boilers Extra, fresh off of a historic day at the Music City Bowl, just historic in all the ways that Purdue wishes it wasn't historic. I'm Nathan Baird from the Journal and Courier, along with Mike Carmen, our, our Purdue football beat writer. But we were both there in Nashville for the carnage. A sixty three to fourteen Auburn victory. Which should have been worse. It yeah, not as close as the score would indicate. Fifty six to seven at halftime, all sorts of records set by the tigers for either points scored in a half of a bowl game points scored by a purdue opponent um it just the the the, the snowball started rolling downhill and it turned into a iceberg pretty quickly
1: well for, first of all we're we're doing this on the day after we're probably
0: Almost See, twenty-four hours removed well, from Well, this, t-
1: this at this time yesterday, there was no kickoff yet, so we, there was still a little bit of optimism that Purdue could hang. The Oak Ridge <laughs> boys were warming up about this time yesterday. So we usually do our post-game edition after the game, but uh, transportation, logistics, logistics, and me just wanting to get home after spending a week down there, we decided that uh, we would uh, reconvene in our in our main studio instead of.
0: The friendly confines. Uh, uh,
1: Instead of stopping somewhere on the way back. And we drove separately. So it was there was a lot of moving parts. So we apologize if you were looking for this early Saturday morning or at some point Saturday.
0: The other factor was how many people were excited to, were like running to their computer this morning or turning their phone on being like, I got to hear more about that game. (laughs) We were giving everybody a little bit of a buffer.
1: Right and kind of letting letting you recover as well from exactly. and let you kind of maybe take a step back and look at the big picture of what what only uh, happened yesterday but also this season and you know first of all yesterday is a, is a stain on the program in in some ways based on the the nature of the loss and how it occurred but in the big picture of it all I don't I don't think it means a whole lot. Um, there's a per, the only thing it affects probably is just more of a perception right. of uh, of what people have of the Purdue football program at this stage, forgetting that in the middle of October, everybody wanted to hug and embrace the Purdue football program after it beat Ohio State. Right, right. But therein lies a little and bit. And in of, the middle of September, they <laughs> wanted to throw them all in the river right. for being 0-3. Right. So therein lies a little bit of the season recap is – the lack of consistency from week to week, or from periods to periods, really held this team back a little bit. But dealing with the bowl game, I thought about this last night on the the long drive home <laughs> as I was trying to stay awake. So like Purdue was probably put in a in a situation where it, it didn't belong, and the them being six and six and how their season played out. They, they they were you know they they were kind of in the in the middle of the Big Ten bowl pack, but Nashville kind of went down and got them for a variety of reasons. Right, the lo- you know the location, uh, how they had played against ranked teams, the Jeff Brom right. connection, right. and all the storylines around Purdue made it an attractive pick. But ultimately, I think they were overreached. Purdue probably would have from a competitive standpoint would have been better off in New York or even Detroit based on this year's team.
0: And I think if Purdue had beaten Eastern Michigan and not beaten Ohio State, maybe they don't go to Nashville. Sure. Like there were some things baked into how they got to 6-6 right. six and six that made them a more attractive 6-6, six and six, so to right. speak. Right,
1: yeah. So, it, you know, th- some of this is hindsight. Uh, I, I think it was a great experience all the way up until kickoff for uh, this program, for these players, for this coaching staff, even for the fan base to – to to really take over Nashville the way they did and it shows you there is a still a hungry appetite from the ba- from the fan base for this football program and when they do well that they, they are going to they are going to come out I don't think anything that you know it shouldn't diminish the final score and how it unfolded shouldn't diminish that so in bowl games like the NCAA tournament basketball is just comes down to matchups and you know I thought, Purdue obviously would show better than what it did yesterday. I think everybody did. Yeah. But once you saw what Auburn really had, there was absolutely no way that Purdue was going to be able to keep up with them.
0: Yeah, watching that game unfold yesterday, I'm thinking, well, if they have Lorenzo Neal and they have a healthier – and they have Kenneth Major and they have a healthier offensive line, maybe Auburn only beats them by like four touchdowns. <laughs> I'm, honestly. I mean, I, that's just how good Auburn looked yesterday. Um, and, and maybe some of that was them being able to really exploit some of those particular matchups that were missing the fact that Purdue could not put really any pressure on their quarterback. the fact that Purdue, which already had some defensive backs that could be picked on, had bigger holes I thought in the secondary and and th- that really got exploited with um, just some the play action the way that they were attacking the, the edges early in the game. Um, yeah, I just I didn't watch that game and think. Purdue was th- this is a game that just weirdly got out of hand. It was a game that I mean it did to some extent, but it was also a game where clearly Auburn was the much more talented team. And I think that therein lies the value for Purdue as a program. I thought I think I even said last week on as we were previewing this game that I thought a big achievement was just Purdue getting to this game. I mean to be to be as you were talking about to be kind of lifted up into this game and and, and lifted up on on somewhat on its own merits of, of having Jeff Brom, having Rondell Moore, of having beaten Ohio State and Iowa, things you're talking about. But to, to get up to this level and now go on a neutral field, you're not playing Ohio State and Iowa at home, which is where those big wins were. You're going on a neutral field and getting and going up against an SEC team, which I, am, I know people maybe are tired of hearing it in the Big Ten, but that does mean something. That is a different level of football, as I think – yesterday sort of bore out i mean and auburn was a seven and five team but that was really more like an eight or nine win team probably talent wise that just they underachieved a little bit based on what expectations were purdue overachieved a little bit i thought especially after they were oh and three to get to that and i think that there's a value to then get on the field with a program like that and then say oh okay that's that's where we're headed. That's clearly where we're trying to get to. That gives you a new picture of it. Because when you've beaten Ohio State and Iowa at home, I don't want to say it like lulled them into some kind of sense of of complacency or anything. I'm not saying that. But I, I also don't think you see what what another higher much higher level really looks like. And I think they have a, a clear picture of that now. I, I sort of see it the same way that I just wrote a piece about the basketball team where where Matt Painter was talking about the, the silver lining in them being six and five, seven and seven and five right now is they're not going into the big 10 with any um false narrative of how good they are and i think purdue now goes into the off season with no false narrative about how good they are you you i know that it's just a bowl game it was just kind of a, an extra game on the end of a season but when you get obliterated like that embarrassed like that frankly in a bit on a big tv audience um you, it probably brings a different urgency to the off season for everyone and again Yes, they were probably pushed above what they what they should have been, but I think there's a value in it long term because now it it gives them an a, another level to kind of reach for more, and and they get to see it in a more visceral way than they would have yesterday at this time.
1: Well, and the, the other part of not not all SEC teams are created equally. Quite true, yeah. You know, you know, two, you know, in Brahms' first year, they go to Missouri and just beat the crap out of Missouri, right? Which is an SEC program uh, by name. <laughs> maybe not by not by right. tradition because they haven't been there that long you know, and know this year they they play Missouri again to a three-point game and um early in the year so you 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 really couldn't take stock of what you what Purdue did against Missouri and apply it to Auburn because Auburn it would be you have Alabama and then in that next tier of SEC teams uh you know then there's Georgia and then there's Auburn and there's that group and Auburn clearly is in that group when you when you look at just the talent level on the roster and what and what they do, and you look at what you know they lost five games. You know you you start to you start to wonder, oh my God, what? <laughs> look at who they lost to. Right. I mean, they lost to a really what is considered of a, a, an average to below average Tennessee
0: team. Mm-hmm. So what happened but, in those games that allowed them right not not to win? But Uh, the same way that Ohio State fans were looking at Purdue and thinking they lost to Eastern Michigan at home? Yeah. (laughs) After 49-20, to (laughs) you you lost to them at home? Right.
1: That's why it's just really – and I've always said this, college football week to week, it just really never carries over. It's just whatever happens on that day happens, and that is the moment that that you live in. And, you know, you start to think, well, if Auburn and Purdue played ten times, would Auburn win all ten? Oh, based on yesterday, nah, yes. Nah, but, not, but nine but nine and a half. <laughs> yeah, but based on yesterday, you're thinking there's no way. But at some point, you close that gap a little bit with – Well, know, yeah, I and mean – If it, Tim Kaysen gets
0: the interception, exactly. you're tied. That's, I, that's, that's the only thing that happens in that situation. Purdue just receives the opening kickoff. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and you get to go out – you're on offense first. You go out and set a different tone. I'm not saying it changes the outcome of the game, right. but it, it, does, it does potentially narrow the gap a little bit. When you look at the two most recent games in Purdue history that – Resembled what happened yesterday. They were on the other side of it in some ways. Maybe maybe you'd include the Minnesota game, but I would look at the Ohio State game and I'd look at the 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 Missouri game from last year. Um, maybe later in the in the Ohio State game, but that Missouri game where you know Purdue's going on the road uh, against a team that was just kind of mired in something at that point. And once Purdue got a little momentum. There was really nothing Missouri could do. It was just one of those days. So not and again, Purdue was was the better team that day, as Auburn was the better team yesterday. But there are different factors that sometimes play into why those things get so sideways. I think Purdue's personnel situation factored in yesterday, right? And you
1: look at the Auburn's first touchdown. There was a blown coverage by Jalen Alexander, the middle linebacker, mm. who didn't get out. His responsibility was the running back coming out of the backfield, and he was way late right. coming coming to try to to try to defend him, and he was wide open, and and he took it to the house. If, if Cornell Jones is, is healthy enough and is able enough, is he in position to make that play? So because of some of the attrition that's happened on defense, you were playing with guys that – and Jalen Alexander has played this year. Uh, but that's just – it shows you just how fragile this Purdue roster is. It's fragile when you play Eastern Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then when you play a team like Auburn – you just really get exposed in a lot of different areas. And, you know, Auburn had a full month to, to kind of find those areas. Probably didn't take them long right. <laughs> in the scouting process. But it just, it, 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 again, it, it, it might heighten uh, what needs to happen to this program. But I also think, you know, some of the reinforcements are already on the way, and I don't think it changes anything as far as where this program can go, Um, you know, the type of players it can recruit. Uh, You know, I think the coaching is solid. I think uh, there's a lot of things about this football program right now that it remains in great hands, and I think the future is is, is really still bright. But there's a different world of college football that the next time you're in this position, that you're in a bowl game against an SEC opponent, how far have you progressed with your program whether it be Auburn, whether it be Mississippi State, whether it be a Georgia or whatever, whoever you would get in two or three years, if your program is in that position, you know, okay, how far have you closed the gap at that point? And that's not that's not an answer we're going to know until that actually happens.
0: Yeah, when we and also when we talk about closing a gap, I mean, the same Purdue team, Purdue is the team that lost at home to Eastern Michigan, and it is the team that lost at Minnesota, and it is the team that got – destroyed yesterday in Nashville. But it's also the team that beat Ohio State and and beat them going away. They're also the team that beat Iowa. They're they, you know, and beat Boston College that was a also qualified for a bowl game, didn't get to <laughs> didn't and started a bowl play. game, didn't get to finish it. I mean, they they are all of those teams. There's just a there's just a big variance right now in what you're getting from this program on a week to week basis. So closing the gap against a team like a program like Auburn, the, the, the better teams, maybe not the, the very best teams in the SEC because those are going to be the best teams in the country, but the, the, the Auburn level of teams, closing that gap is really just about closing the, or re- removing that variance from, from your performance. Just being able to more consistently come up with the kind of performance that, that beats those teams. Right, and, and this was, you know, we're really, uh, not really surprised by the up and
1: down nature of this team. No. This year because not. they were so young on defense. They only had four players, four starters coming back. And that first half against Northwestern, it showed just how young and experienced that they were. And they did gain experience, they did gain some confidence. But, you know, as Jeff Braum alluded to in the press conference after the Auburn game, throughout the last couple years they've had to, to mask yes. a lot of deficiencies and they've and they've done it and they've they've been able to overcome that until yes it, until friday when when it just kind of got away from them and they you know and they they know inside that building where those deficiencies are and what they've tried to do to overcome it with the new guys coming in you hopefully you move those deficiencies somewhere else you know purdue's probably always going to be a program that's going to have a handful of deficiencies just because that's the way the college football world works. But it's up to Brahm and his staff as they continue to push this thing forward to fill those holes as quickly as they can and get guys in here and get players in here that give them a better opportunity when you match up with an Auburn. Or you even now when you're matching up just in the Big Ten West with the Nebraska and the Wisconsins of the world, that you're not going to get your doors blown off and that you're over you're able to overcome to some extent the loss of a Lorenzo Neal and the loss of, you know, some other defensive linemen and, you know, the, the losing another safety in Brennan Thienemann, uh and then not having one of your better cornerbacks out there in Kenneth Major, it just – the program is still at a stage where it can't overcome that. And this is a long process. It, it, it really is. And to some degree last year happened fast. They had a lot of success last right. year, and to some degree this year, they had a lot of success after that 0-3 start that you're sitting in the middle of October, you know, and we have this conversation. We have it in the press box. We have it uh, on this podcast about, well, okay, well, why can't they win the Big Ten West now? Mm-hmm. So things things have moved quickly these last two years for this program, but at the end of two years, they're 13-13. and 13. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and that's kind of where they are right, right now, maybe where they should be. Uh, but uh, they just – now you've got to push the program in a position where you get beyond six, and then when you get back in a in, a, in another bowl game situation, you, you're more – I don't want to say – I don't think the word is prepared, but you have a better understanding of what's coming, coming at you, and you should be in a better position to handle it.
0: There were guys who played their last Purdue game who can remember yesterday, who can remember – when they were dreaming of a chance to go get blown out by Auburn in a bowl game. And, it was, and they were nowhere close to it as a program. Right. And so th- that, that does, it does mean something, that they've, they've taken this to this level in two years. I will say one of my takeaways from yesterday was it reinforced something that this program does have to do. You already were kind of just alluding to it. We can talk about quarterbacks and Jeff Brom's offensive brain and Rondell Moore and who he's going to get to put on the field with him and all that stuff. But there's a this team does need to take it up a notch up front on both sides of the ball. And yesterday to, to, to play at that level, to play it, to, to go to try to go win a bowl game against a team like Auburn, there, there's that's one of the jumps that this program has to make. You've got to find more depth on the offensive line because they at times seemed like maybe there was five guys they trusted, maybe six if you really squinted. But that, that's not going to cut it. You've got to find more guys than that. They they know that I wouldn't be telling them anything. They don't know if they're even listening to this, which they shouldn't be. They should be out coaching their team. And if and, you are, send me a text just so you know that we are. you are listening. And and, and defensively, I mean, you know, Lorenzo Neal is a very good football player, but taking him out of that shouldn't have just brought the whole house of cards crashing down, and it seemed like it did a little bit. It seemed like that made it almost – impossible for this team to well you know when you look at Lorenzo again you know know there's a domino effect well
1: Purdue also stepped out of its league yesterday right but you know they lost Lorenzo uh, early in the IU game and Mm -hmm. things didn't completely fall apart that's fair yeah yeah so uh, but that's what we're talking about is that next level is that next level of, uh, of play but you must have been looking at my story I just posted on JC Online. I have not had a chance to read that yet. <laughs> as we tell look me ahead, more, as we look ahead to 2019. One of the concerns, and it's my major concern, is uh, is the offensive line. And yesterday, I think it got oh, yeah. worse because I, I don't. I, I think the long term prognosis for Matt McCann is probably not good uh, because when Jeff Rom talks about injuries. There are a couple keywords to keep in mind. One is nicked up, which we still don't know what that means. <laughs> and the other one, when he says he's not optimistic, that's usually bad news. Yes, and That usually it means a-
0: I've been told it's a tear. <laughs> we were just waiting for the MRI before I tell you <laughs> it's a tear. Right.
1: So if Matt McCann is out for an extended period of time, and now we're in a situation where it's almost January and you're going to play a game in, in nine months – can he get back if he has to have some sort of offseason surgery? And he's 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 an anchor. He's a guy that you are counting uh-huh. on next year, along with Grant Hermans, to to kind of to be the to be your tackles to give you some stability at that line because you really have to address the middle. Michael Mendez is a guy that would uh, could fit into one of the guard spots, but everything else is open and. The development of the offensive line is a never-ending game, in my in my opinion, especially at a place like Purdue, because you struggle and you struggle and you struggle just to get front-line guys, right. and it's really hard to get depth. And I don't really blame them for just playing the five or six guys they played, because you get in the moment on Saturday, you're there to win.
0: Certainly, yeah, yeah. And, and I don't blame the I don't blame the, the coaches went with what they had at right. the time, and I don't I'm not trying to. I should make I should make it clear that I am not trying to down talk down about these players who go out there and play hard. But again, we're talking about if you want to compete against Auburn, you're going to need different guys than that. Well,
1: even I mean, even you can you can take Auburn out of the equation, out of the equation. I mean, you're or Michigan State. Or, well, well, yeah, that's that's the key. I mean, just line up the teams in the in the Wisconsin. in the big Ten, in the Big Ten West. These are the teams that you have to beat year in and year out. Yeah. You know, I think Purdue is in a better position to compete against those teams, but to win a championship at any level, at any conference. And, you know, Jeff Brom talked about the last month before the Friday's game. You know, the trenches were the big thing. And they just they, they couldn't hold up in, in that area. Doesn't mean they can't hold up when they start their 2019 season, but that's a big question, question mark. And you've got to have, you know, the, the young guys who didn't play this year at what's, you know, their year in the weight room, their year going through – Scout team practices, which I don't think really help them, but brahm also put a big emphasis on bowl practices with the young guys through through them through the month of December, and what collection of offensive linemen come out of this group that are ready to play right now? you got to have five you don't you don't you don't go with less unless you're running eighty two trick plays <laughs> in the course of a game mm-hmm. so it's a big deal, but you but they're going to play with who's ever ready to go and they're going to play with the guys they're comfortable with. You would love to be able to build some more depth there. Uh, I think they'll have depth on the defensive line. It's not high quality depth, but they'll have depth. Mm -hmm. They'll have guys that should be able to come in and rotate and and play some snaps. Uh, But you're also, you know, I know they're going to be counting on George Karloftis to come in and make a big impact as a pass rusher too. So, Yes, they, that's probably the area of recruiting and development and coaching that really needs to, to pick up. If this program, when it gets back to playing an SEC team in a bowl game, again, that's going to be uh, – we're going to mark this, this today, and then when you get down the line another year two or three years, right. you're going to see how far Purdue has closed the gap in, in that area.
0: Anything else that you took away from yesterday that reflects on, on what, where this team needs to grow in the offseason or anything that it sort of reinforced for you? I mean, the, one, the other one that stood out to me was the cornerback situation. Right. That's yeah. been lagging behind for a while. And, but that does seem to be one that they've addressed or started to address with the kind of athlete that they're recruiting, the size of athlete they're recruiting. Yeah, we've mentioned this. I've mentioned this before.
1: I, I thought more true freshmen would get on the field at the cornerback position than what it did this year, and they didn't for whatever reason. Not ready to play, you know. I, you know, who knows? Uh, but they need to get bigger back there. Um, they need to get better back there, yeah. but that's also in conjunction with your defensive line. I mean, there was absolutely no rush yesterday, and I don't know if they're if they're if they'd even had a rush, they could have slowed down what was happening in the, in the back half. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't know. I mean, it because what, there was what, so
1: much separation between the receivers. Uh, and oh, the, yeah. And the I was there. <laughs> we had a very good vantage point for it actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: was That's one of the best press box uh proximity. If, if, if some people like being higher up. I know you like being higher up and I kind of do too. But it, it, you're right there at at uh, Gillette you're, Stadium. I mean, you're or Sweet level. Stadium I should say. You're right on top of it. You're sweet level. Yeah, it was uh <laughs> it was it was sweet level but not a sweet view of, of what was happening to Purdue, no, you're right, and, and but I also think that when when you can't pass rush, it puts that much more pressure on that. Well, you got to be able to cover. Yeah, you got to be able to keep up, and they
1: they just those two combinations just really again exposed exposed that area, and and, and other teams have exposed that this year as well. So it's not just Auburn doing it, uh, but the lack of pass rush pass rush this year has been evident. It hasn't been. It hasn't been as good. It wasn't as good as it was in 2017, and that was more based on the personnel, as opposed to uh, as opposed to a scheme and or anything like that. So the cornerback situation I really think needs to get addressed, and they need to figure out some guys that can play uh, and play consistently there. If it's if it's two or three guys, or if it's five or six guys, they need. I think that's something that really needs to get addressed. You know, other takeaways from that is this. You know, from the offensive line standpoint, David Blau didn't have any time. He made he did make one poor decision on mm-hmm. an interception. The other interception was tipped and fell into Big, Cat's Big hand, Cat or Booby or whatever. Their it was names, Big Cat was, or it wasn't smoke. No, it was Big Cat. <laughs> was a Big Cat. Big they they allow the them house. to use their nicknames down there, yeah, as as their real names that they put like on depth charts and stuff. And I'm like.
0: Hey, if that's what it takes yeah. to land those guys, <laughs> if,
1: if you got land, if you got to land a big cat, yeah. So I wonder what Ron, Rondo Moore is going to change his first name to next year. <laughs>
0: that's a good question. He doesn't really have a good nickname yet, does he? We need to get somebody on that.
1: Uh, true, yeah. You'd figure by now you'd have one, but uh, you know, David didn't have a lot of time uh, to really process what was going on, and and things were moving faster than they normally fast. You cannot. I, the one thing that probably hurt them was you just could not duplicate that speed and that size yeah. in, in practice at all.
0: And, and Auburn can, <laughs> and Auburn can yeah they can duplicate Rondell more, a little yeah. bit better than Purdue can duplicate right. what Auburn does. Yeah.
1: You know, Purdue is trying to get the ball to Rondell, which, which it should, because in part, the other guys couldn't get separation yes. from,
0: uh, that was from, what I, yeah. yeah, I even commented at one point and maybe I think it was in what I wrote too about how, Rhonda Moore looked kind of ordinary against Auburn, and that well, that's not really a knock against him. I'm not saying he's not still a great athlete, but Auburn's level of athlete brings that down a little bit. And then because nobody else for Purdue could really get anything going, then it, it made it that much tougher. I mean, he, he obviously has had some of his bigger games at the same time somebody else. for. We even talked about this last week. When you see Purdue have a big game this year, usually Terry Wright or Isaac Zico is also having a big game, and that didn't happen yesterday. Right,
1: and – Basically, what Auburn could do once it got a, a fourteen-point lead or a twenty-one-point lead is just play basic. Yeah, you just rush four, drop everybody else, play man, and let it go. I don't. I don't think as the game went on, they needed to to do anything different than what they did because they were confident enough in their athletes to match up with what what Purdue had. Uh, so there was another you know another gap that needs to get closed. And I think with recruiting coming up with the two thousand nineteen class year. You're moving in that direction now. Whether that actually happens, you know, remains to be seen. But other than that, I mean, it was um, you know, the, there's really nothing really <laughs> a
0: lot else to say there's about. Not, there's not an analysis of that right. game. It was, I mean, it just, is what it is. Yeah, I
1: mean, I, I, you you've covered these kind of games. I have two in, in football and, and in particularly in women's basketball when the when the program has gone against up the elite mm-hmm. of the of the sport like Connecticut a few times. And you just
0: Purdue man at at Kansas yeah in the in yeah Sweet 16 a couple yeah. years ago I
1: mean you just see you just see the gap there yeah. and and what you have to do to close that gap now in basketball it's a little bit easier to close it and you can close it quicker mm-hmm. where football does take time but I, I don't yes eventually Purdue's program wants to aspire to be like an Auburn where you got these fast guys running around big guy, big guys and fast guys just running around just dealing all the time ultimately you're going to measure yourself what's going on in the Big Ten. Yeah. And that's where Purdue has to, to, to find that level uh, and find that level of athlete. And, you know, and I think they're, they're well on their way to getting that done. Uh, so, you know, the, the game was what it was. And it'll soon kind of just kind of drift, drift off in the background. But, you know, I'm kind of curious how Jeff Brom treats this game in the off season. Sometimes coaches will put that score up everywhere oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. to serve as motivation. Uh, I don't know if he'll do that. Uh, but it also should create uh, a hunger for this team to get back on the field. You know, as, as you remember and everybody, they left San Francisco last year just feeling really great about themselves, and they should. And that, was, that did help them, I think, in a springboard into the offseason, maybe with some recruiting stuff. Mm-hmm. But when they got to, you know, August, right. they were 0-3. Yeah. <laughs> so you, just, you don't know how those things are going to work, and next year's going to be a new team. But, uh, you know, I think they got their, you know, kind of, you know, they, they got to look at the other side of college football in a way to see, okay, so that's what Purdue needs to do. To play at this level, and you know, and if they use it to their advantage and it's used wisely, you know, I think it can help this team. and help this program uh, as it gets
0: into two thousand nineteen. So let's look ahead because I think it's it's an interesting offseason. It's an interesting even going into the spring, the summer because you can stack up a lot of pros on one side with Rondo, Moore, Marcus Bailey, keeping the Jeff Brom staff intact, of what seems like going to be. All, if not most of them, um, keeping that that program momentum going, you know, another year with the performance center, all of those things, and then I've got a long list of of kind of shoulder shrugs right now. You know, Elijah Sindelar's health, assuming he's the the main quarterback to start the year. What else is happening in that backfield? What else is happening with the offensive line? Uh, you got some big special teams questions right now. You, I mean, Joe Shopper kind of just didn't get to have a big impact yesterday, which is unfortunate because he's had a really great career. As the punter, um, going with a new kicker, um, you've got a lot of stuff. Uh, if you're Purdue, that you have to answer between now and next year.
1: Yeah, but I, I do think there are, you know, at least on paper, there are answers that that are that are right in front of them. You know, dressing, you know, the kicker situation. You have JD Dellinger, who's who, who'll get a redshirt this year and give him an extra year down the line. I he'll have a chance to to win that job from the beginning. You know, they recruited a big guy out of Alabama to be their punter, uh, a guy that can maybe factor in to some trick plays. Hmm. He's a big kid, like 6'5". Oh, interesting. So, know, uh, so, yeah, I, I think some of the answers are on paper. You know, I've, I'm extremely confident that Sintelar is going to be the starting quarterback. So right, he's healthy. Right, right. Uh, he's had some injury issues. But the way that he has thrown the ball in the ball practices just – I mean, it's it's just a it's a it's a marked difference between him and everybody else how mm-hmm. he's throwing the ball now. Mm-hmm. You know, David's had a lot of wear and tear on his shoulder and his arm over his career, so he he's not as uh, effective mm-hmm. as maybe he was at the beginning of his career from a zip standpoint. But you know, I think you know, Cindilar fits what Brom wants out of a quarterback: big guy, strong arm, can stand in the pocket, and uh, you know, assuming you can get a Milton Wright, um, a T.J. Sheffield, um, or Marshawn Rice, or anybody they would add in the February period.
0: You can just say it. <laughs> if, David, just say it. If, <laughs> if David
1: Bell would come to Purdue, uh, then uh, if one of those guys can have a somewhat similar season that Rondo, Rondo Moore had from an impact standpoint, and I'm not talking just when you match up numbers,
0: just from because they're not slot receivers, it's going to be a different kind of well, production potentially. Well,
1: but now you you've put more receivers, more high level receivers out there. That getting somebody getting a hundred catches probably is not realistic. Mm-hmm. You could have three guys with seventy five, yeah, but you need more than Rondell Moore. So therefore his his stats are probably going to drop a little bit. Doesn't change how good he is. It doesn't change how productive he's going to be. Uh, the whole goal is that it's like a you know basketball team. You want to put five guys out on the floor that everybody that the defense has to guard. Mm-hmm. And I think Purdue has moved closer with the recruiting class that they're going to put receivers out there, four or five, of, five of them that you have to guard. You can't. You're not going to be able to cheat and take away. Try to take away one. Uh, there'll be some defensive coordinators out there that will try to do that. But you almost, if these guys develop and they have the talent that, that this Purdue coaching staff thinks, thinks that they have, that uh, you're going to have to play a lot of these guys straight up and therefore they're going to win more one-on-one matchups. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think the playmaking ability takes up a notch. The concern of the offensive line is not going to go away today and it's not going to go away before they play that opener at Nevada in my opinion they're just going to have to figure out five guys to get out there and then work in some depth and that might be an area they uh, they address with uh, another graduate transfer uh, coming up you know, I would look for them probably to get a graduate transfer at some position this year because they do need to plug some holes you know and the, the big question is whether Marcus Marcus Bailey does return for his senior year you know I, I would you know I think he's I don't know what he's thinking right now, but I think that you know the lean is that he will come back. Uh but the other, you know the other part of it is how much can he really improve his stock? Yeah. I mean he's not he's not a first or second round draft pick today. Is he going to be a first or second round draft pick next year? Most likely not. Uh he's probably a middle fourth, fifth round guy at the at the best. So does he want to come back and go through the whole senior year process, maybe risk an injury type of thing, um, when he's going to probably be slotted in the same place a year year from now. I, I think this defense needs him to come back because I think there are enough pieces on defense when you start looking at the linebackers and some of the experience that they got up front, and if you can get Lorenzo Neal back healthy, that this defense, I think, has a chance to return closer to the 2017 level. Just based on the number of guys they have now, you need you need some other guys to step up and perform better, and you probably need an influx of a couple of those true freshmen to come in and play for you, especially in the secondary, which I you know I'm pretty sure they're earmarking for that yeah. to happen. Uh, but as as we talked about, the cornerback cornerback position really has to to get an upgrade and, and 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 play better. So you know I think there's a there are, there's a long list of concerns, but I also think that. Uh, they're not, other than when you get past maybe the lines, I don't know how major of concerns they are right now. There's a lot of, they're going to have a lot of guys that have been untested, and that's, that's going to be the thing. I think they'll have less guys that have been untested as opposed to when they started this year, but um, but you still, you still have guys that are going to have to prove it. And the way this coaching staff has operated is they got to prove it in practice and they'll change starters, they'll change rotations, they'll, they'll change everything if they feel like uh, guys are not playing up. I mean, this, this is a staff that
0: really, really enjoys competition and practice, and it shows. Yeah, I was really impressed with a couple guys on this defense, younger guys, Jones and um, and Barnes both. And I think, again, they just go in that group of people for whom and, – and it makes sense especially because they're younger guys. Once the volatility decreases and they just become more consistent with it, you're going to see that, that defense take a jump. Well, the other thing,
1: you're going to keep Derek Barnes as your Leo. Yeah. Are you uh, – and are you looking at maybe uh, you know, a grad transfer to a linebacker to, to – to insert a more experienced guy there, if you can get Marcus, possibly to, a familiar name, <laughs> maybe. Too. But uh, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that can happen, uh, and you know, is Derek Barnes fit? You know, is that the best fit for that for mm-hmm. him at that position? Uh, I mean, he he was active yesterday, uh, and that's a you know credit to him. I don't know if it was much of him playing the position he was playing, or just you know that's just the way it went right. for him. So. You know, there there could be some position switches coming up as well. So it's it'll be a long off season because of you know your your last memory of Purdue football is a forty nine point loss. And just FYI, I have seen <laughs> I have I have personally there's a common denominator <laughs> in all three of the <laughs> sixty two or more point. Yes, I've covered each one of those. And you can go back to the Northern Illinois game when Northern Illinois put up. 50-some yeah. at ross Aid. I think that at the time, that was the new record, or the record at the time, back in 2013. It been a rapid succession of... Well, but that record didn't stay long because like a month later, saying. Ohio State came in and plastered 56 on him And then... Uh, no, that, that was that. had been the ross Aid Stadium record. The school record would have been set when uh, uh, they went up to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And that was the Russell Wilson game. Yes. And uh, that one that if all the games that i've covered that have resulted in 50 or more points given up by the other team the one uh, friday's game uh would be related to the wisconsin game up there as far as how quickly things got out of hand <laughs> right because <laughs> it, it, it was madison that day it it got out of hand quickly <laughs> and yes uh, friday got out of hand quickly um the Penn State game at Ross A got out of hand in the second half when yes. they when they finished with sixty two. So I, yeah, I've I'm, I'm one of a handful of people that have personally covered each of these milestones.
0: It's quite a claim to fame. <laughs> yeah.
1: Used to be like when I covered high schools, I just covered state champions.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've, uh, you and I have both seen some uh, some some interesting high school football games again over time, though. Um, a couple of burning questions as we wrap things up. I want to um, first of all, Purdue's NFL draft streak. Does it stay intact? Does it extend another year? Well,
1: uh, number one depends on Bailey. Um, that would be the first thing. As far as current seniors on this team, um, I think it's going to be hard. I think it really, you know, it's not the first time we've said that that you know we we thought that maybe you know a couple years ago it would come to an end but um this might be the year it does come to an end if if Bailey's not involved and you know I got to think if he goes early you know he's getting a pretty good feel that not, he's not first or second round but but he would he, he, he would get picked um so
0: I think that's one factor in that but I, I don't know unless i'm trying to look around the team and think of who else it might be and it's Unless somebody, um, like, unless unless Joe Shopper impressed somebody who needs a punter in the seventh round. It's usually not the case.
1: Right. And, and I, don't, I don't know how, I mean, I think Joe would go for it, but I don't know how motivated he is to play in the NFL. Hmm. He's going to be a pharmacy guy. Okay. So he's probably going to make more money. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. That's a good point. But, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, he would be a possibility. You don't have the NFL values quarterbacks. Yeah. And,. You know would someone take David Blount in the seventh round uh,
0: with his intangibles and everything else? well, I mean, just the kind
1: of i mean he's he's a great guy to have in your locker room, he's a great guy to have in camp um, you, you know you get down there you don't you don't know how um teams evaluate him. he's gonna have to to show some things in his workouts and his pro day and um I know I know he's in one all star game. So you know, but that you know, he's got some limitations that he's not going to be able to overcome either. Yeah. Um. So he would be one, but you know, you start looking across the offensive line, Kurt Barron would. I think he's already kind of prepared himself to be an undrafted free agent. Um. You know, and defensively, that other than Marcus, you know, Thieneman,
0: he's probably an undrafted free agent yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, but which, is, which is sometimes better than being drafted in the seventh round. You get right. to kind of go pick your, 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 your spot to some extent.
1: But, again, someone really has to value a guy like that. They really have yeah. to have a specific – see a vision for him for a specific role. You know, and, you know, again, there's a lot – I think a lot of seniors on this team that will get invited to camps or at least get an opportunity to get, to get invited to, to the main camp. But from a draft standpoint, you know, I think it's going to be a kind of a, uh, you know, kind of a
0: long, a long
1: year for that.
0: I, I don't know if that
1: if that streak's going to stay intact or not.
0: Yeah, one thing they also don't seem to have right now is like what Purdue had with Anthony Brown a couple years ago, which is like a guy who's going to go to a camp or go to go to the combine and run a number that automatically makes you like a, a fourth, fifth round guy. I mean, they they would need they, that's also something that could happen. Somebody just goes and and runs that four. Three forty or whatever at the right position, and and somebody grabs them. Somebody takes a flyer on that based well, off. Of
1: Terry decision. Wright can do that, but I'm not sure he's going <laughs> to be that to be that guy.
0: Yeah, um, and also, so let's run down the schedule real quick. Next year, you already mentioned opener at Nevada, uh, a bowl team. They're actually playing as we speak. Home against Vanderbilt, another bowl team. Home against TCU, another bowl team. Sort of. <laughs> uh, well, who? Okay, let's let's. What program would you rather be this week, TCU or Purdue? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously.
1: One, yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody's talking like crap about the Cheez-It Bowl, which you should never talk crap about Cheez-Its, number one. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, I mean, everybody's like, that's the worst bowl game in the history of bowl games type of thing. You know, we have too many bowls. We'll never have too many bowls, first of all. <laughs> but who would you rather be, TCU or Purdue?
0: Right well, now, well, TCU won its bowl game. They did.
1: I mean, what yeah. I mean, uh, there's different degrees of, yeah. you know, how people that's view fair. these things. And was it uh, Army beat Houston like 70 to 7?
0: <laughs> seven? <laughs> I, I missed that one, but yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. Right. But anyway, uh, they do
1: get TCU at home, uh, and that's, that's, that's a really good program. Regardless of kind of the year that they've had, because they've they've had a lot of injuries at the skill positions, and Gary Patterson is viewed as one of the yes the the, one of the best coaches in this game. And to be honest, he probably should be at a more high high profile program than what he's at. And I think he's had opportunities to move on, but credit to him, he stayed there. I mean, to me, that's kind of a fascinating game for Purdue because it's a I think all three of those first three games are it's a marquee opponent. Uh, in the eyes of college football world, may not be a marquee opponent to to the outside fan, but that's a,
0: you know that that's going to be a really interesting game as, as as that as that gets closer. I mean, this is this is a challenging schedule. I mean, that, so that's the first three your your Big Ten opener is at home against Minnesota, which really came on kind of towards the end of last year. They seem to maybe be turning towards something. Then you got to go at Penn State, never easy. Home against Maryland for homecoming at Iowa, never easy. Home against Illinois, home against Nebraska, at Northwestern, at Wisconsin, and you're home for the bucket game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you when you look at the crossovers, you're getting Maryland, uh, you're getting Penn State, and that takes the place of Michigan State and Ohio State. Um, that's, I don't from a trade standpoint, just looking at it from the outside, that's probably um, would, would appear to be a better situation because you're getting Maryland at home. Right. Uh, but going to Penn State, you know, they they will be breaking in a new quarterback. But you're still going to Penn State at, at that at juncture. So from you're a,
0: getting them early, but they're getting you early. It's kind of a wash. There. Yeah, but I you
1: know really when you when you know you start looking at that schedule and you start pulling out key games, I you know I think that first Big Ten game is really well, going to be that, huge. Yeah. Based on how Minnesota, I mean, Minnesota in a way is a little bit like Purdue last year. Where they finished strong, got into a bowl game, you know, beat somebody, and now th- they got all their oars in the water. I mean, they're <laughs> rowing, the, they're rowing the boat big time up there, and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna come in. They're gonna be one of these teams as you look at in the off season, and people start writing stories about the Big Ten West. You know, Minnesota is gonna be one of those teams that is going to be picked with the arrow up. Mm-hmm. Right now, based on how they finished and the coaching change that they made at the on the defensive side prior to the Purdue game, uh, you know I thought Purdue had a chance maybe to be one of those teams, but I think the lingering effect of this bowl loss will probably will 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 stick with people that that put these things together instead of maybe just looking at the the bigger picture of it all.
0: Maybe, but I think they'll also see Rondo Moore on that sheet. They'll see. I mean, I and and and. With just even a little bit of research, you see how good Marcus Bailey is. You see what Elijah Sindelar could do. I mean, so yeah, we'll see. But I, I, I know I'm looking at this schedule and I'm thinking you could be Purdue could take a step up next year, but it's it's not going to be just some easy jump. I don't think to that eight nine win plateau. I mean, this is a this is a tough schedule that they have to. Uh, they're
1: going to have to. I mean, you can't falter at Nevada, and you know, in reality, you need to win those two home games against you know Vanderbilt's a program. It's an SEC program, but it's probably in the level. Of 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 a Missouri, not an Auburn, right? Uh, So that
0: Purdue and Vanderbilt to me are so comparable in a lot of ways. But you know
1: Vanderbilt the other night, uh, their running back Keyshawn Vaughn, who who Purdue looked at Mm -hmm. several years ago, Mm -hmm. big time running back who went to Illinois, then eventually ended up at Vanderbilt. Uh, But you know that that program is getting its share of, of of athletes like that. That you know that that Vanderbilt game and that TCU game. I think are really going to be two key uh, non-conference games uh, for Purdue. Unfortunately for them, they have them at home, and when you have teams like that at home, you got you know you need to take advantage of it. Uh, here we are in
0: December trying to predict 2019 games. <laughs> Vanderbilt did also have one of the best interceptions of the bowl season when the uh, guy um, caught one off of his midsection in the uh, end zone. Shall we say and it bounced right up to the guy? Oh, okay. so, um they, they <laughs> that's what they're most known for in my mind as we look at that <laughs> to twenty nineteen it's not much but but it's something no so. that schedule is 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 doable a
1: to get to a bowl game, but also doable to get past that six win mark um, yeah uh, you know assuming what we know today and and everybody being healthy and you know but you start losing guys, whether Marcus Bailey leaves or you don't get a grad transfer on the offensive line or somewhere on the defense, uh, then you know that changes. But well, I think at first glance of that schedule, that that's doable to get back to a bowl game, but also maybe push back push past that that six win mark.
0: I will say that to have a really kind of special kind a special kind of season. You know, the, the four Big Ten road games are at Penn State, at Iowa, at Northwestern, at Wisconsin. If you somehow find a way to win two of those, now you're really talking about something. But I also think this is a program that either has a you know, they've they've gone and beaten the Nebraskas and Illinois and such are on the road, or they did have the one against Iowa in, in Brahm's first year. But that's still another step this program has to take is be able to kind of consistently and it's hard to do, that's that's why it's hard to win on the road, but that would be one of those other the next steps. But you're also getting two two of your
1: key big ten West game guys late in the year. Yeah. I mean yes. Purdue could have its share of injuries. And be banged up, but as I think you saw from Wisconsin this year, when they came into Ross Sage Stadium, other than Jonathan Taylor, yeah, I mean that was a that was, that that's a game Purdue should have won, and they should have held on. Yeah, uh, you got to protect that lead uh, at that point. But you are getting them late in the year when they could be faced with the same uh, situation, and Jonathan Taylor is going to have a lot of miles on his legs by then. Uh, so. And, you know, Northwestern is going to be Northwestern. You know, Northwestern is a team that usually is better in November than they are in August and September. So those are going to be really two big road games for them. But in order for them, in order for those games to mean anything, you're going to have to take take care of business at home and, and, and beat the teams you need to beat at home to be in a position where you hit November. Again, like this year, they hit November with a chance to stay in the Big Ten West, and they were there. Now you got to figure out a way to push that through and make those last two or three games really count as far as pushing for a division title, and I and I think that's that's a realistic goal for this program right now. I think at the beginning of 2018, you're really not talking about Purdue being a contender for the Big Ten West in a, in a in a in a real fashion, but I think now again, based on today. I, I think that's a realistic conversation to have with this program, and when you factor in that Jeff Brom is here, uh, the expectations now need to ratchet up a little bit, and that should be a goal that they are comfortable talking about, and it should be a goal that they fulfill here shortly.
0: Yeah, uh, the, the biggest takeaway from for me for just for 2018 is just. Helping establish a higher floor for what you expect out of this program, and now again, it's all yesterday just reinforced. What's the next? What's the next step? Right. Well, that sort of wraps up 2018 and gives you a look into 2019. Come back uh, midweek next week. I got to go cover Purdue playing Belmont right now in in basketball. That leads into the resumption of Big Ten play next week. So we'll bring you a Boilers extra that kind of kicks that off uh, sometime middle of next week. So um, come back to JC Online. Come follow find us at all of your. Uh, various, uh, podcast outlets, um, rate, review, subscribe, download. Let us hear from you. I'm Nathan Baird. He's Mike Carmen. We'll talk to you again soon.